Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome, everyone, to yet another episode of the Bobo and Flex Show. My name is Bobo, and I am your host, and I'm with the beautiful Flex, also known as Flex Mommy on the internet. Today, we're bringing you a highly requested video because so many of you ask us about what it's like to be an influencer. If that's even a thing, whatever that means. So we want to dive into the topic and give you a behind the scenes glimpse of what it's like to be an influencer, what that even means, and whether it's something that you should pursue, if it's even a thing. Um, so Flex, I want to know, so for you, since becoming an influencer and i know the day that we first met we had an extensive conversation about this did we and um we did so actually i actually the way that flex and i met is that i found her on instagram because a friend of mine was like you have to go follow this bitch she's incredible so i went and i followed her and i was like yep she is incredible and then I realized she was in New York, so I DM'd her, I slid into her DMs, and I was like, oh my god, I need you on my talk show, can I interview you? And the rest is history. And so that interview will be up on my channel very soon. <laughs> <laughs> but we talked about being an influencer, and I want to know, since becoming an influencer, because um, you're also a DJ, or rather, let me say a public figure, do you think it's affected your perception of self and the way that you move through the world and how you self-narrate? Do you feel any different now that you have more followers? Um, <clears throat> yes and no. I think the frustration mm. with being... What feels different, what does Yeah, the frustration with being... With identifying as um, wanting to rescind it and then being an influencer is the fact that it demeans everything else you do. Um... So first, mm, I'm like a DJ, mean? and then a TV presenter, and then an author, and then a speaker, and then an influencer. Like, that happened in that order in my career. But influencer has become okay. the hierarchy of all those things. And to influence isn't the foundation of what I do. It's the addition to. And so it's frustrating, though, right. because while I don't resent influencing at all, I think it's great. It's opened up a lifestyle. The terminology around what it is to be an influencer is very frustrating, because it's the presumption that you want to be an advertiser or that mm. you want to like that you want people to use you as a benchmark for success or a benchmark for what it is to be um, successful or that you <clears throat> or that you like when you're spoken at and not to on a virtual platform or that you right. equate your sense of self to your followers because everybody else does. And it's this frustrating frustrating sorry dichotomy of self understanding that you have value but then questioning it or over inflating it because of the way you're perceived by your audience right so yeah it feels different in a sense that 
<clears throat> I feel like any which way I navigate my online activity feels like a statement. Like it feels like someone is always questioning mm. like, what is this strategy? What are you trying to do here? Um, what is your intention? Like I cannot publish freely without someone being like, oh, she published that she's making crepes today. Are you trying to make yourself a cooking influencer? Can I not eat in peace? That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, yeah. she, she sells products now. She's using her audience because she's an influencer. Can I not be an entrepreneur who has products? Right. Like, can I not diversify my income stream? <laughs> There's always, it feels as though people feel as though they need to, everyone wants to see. They need to brand see, Yeah, brand, brand me and see behind the facade. Because obviously, I'm, this must be part of a greater strategy. I must be trying to mm. do something here. And it's like, yeah, I'm trying to turn myself into a thought leader, not an influencer. Yeah, that's what I'm actively trying to what's, do. What's the difference? Well, I think influencer the term is very much intrinsically tied to instagram ah. and uh that's it's redundant redundant and reductive to have my value tied to a platform that will cease to exist in a few years like they all do you know i feel like outside that's of, the yeah, thing outside of instagram would i be regarded as an influencer and it's my instagram activity that gives people the um the presumption that i'm an influencer not the other th- not anything else People don't see me walk down the street and go, that's an influencer because she's wearing open-toed shoes. People see the <laughs> people see the Instagram and say, oh, she's got certain words in her bio. She's got a contact email. She's got a certain amount of followers. Therefore, she must be an influencer. Therefore, insert presumption of, of person here. Do you identify? And look, let, a question is, did you identify as an influencer first before you were influencing or the title was given to you and then you adopted it? Yeah, I think the title was given to me and I just took it and ran mm. with it. So I think at the time when I became an influencer, I hate that word so much. I, I feel like it sounds really pretentious. Mm. I also really don't like the idea that people are following me because that entails a one-sided transaction. And I feel that I have more of a community rather than a following. But we'll, for lack of a better word, we'll use the word influencer. So um, I, a friend of mine actually forced me on Instagram. I used to be very against social media, which is why I was late to every single platform. I was late to Twitter. I was late to <laughs> Facebook. I was late to Instagram. I was late to everything. But a friend of mine dragged me on to Instagram because I was going to London uh, for a couple of months to start a career in fashion. Because prior to that, I was an accountant and I realized, no, accounting is not for me. And then I couldn't decide between being a physicist and being in fashion. So I chose fashion because it seemed the most accessible. And so a friend of mine forced me to get on Instagram because she was like, we're not going to keep up any other way. So you have to. And um, as I started posting pictures of my outfits, because I was in London and London has all these colorful walls, and I was posting pictures of colorful outfits against colorful walls. I started gaining a following that way. And then suddenly, like, magazines were reaching out to be like, hey, can we interview you? And then the brand started reaching out. And then once I realized that people were making money off of it, that's when I adopted it because I was like, well, quite frankly, I don't know how else to get my foot into the fashion industry. So I guess I'll just do this. Um, so for me, it's always been a means to an end. And I think where it can get limiting is that people see it as 
she's made it because she is a good influencer. But being an influencer for me is because I also I see the I see the illusion through Instagram and I also see its transience. So I know that in a few years from now, not only will no one care anymore, it will also cease to exist and it's just not practical um to tie your entire career to limit your career to that this one platform that you have no control over and so i think it was around that time when i started monetizing when it stopped being just the like outfits for funsies mm. and like okay i'm going to make money now that's when i was like okay yeah i'm i'm an influencer very interesting it's funny that you mentioned that yeah. before, that London trip, that you had very little interest in social media. Because similarly, I didn't either. I worked in social media and mm. PR. And while I ran accounts for different brands that we had on our book of clients, I didn't have my own um, social media accounts that I published to actively. I used them to stalk people. But I didn't publish and tell the world what, was, what I was doing, what I was wearing or anything. Until I was at a point right. where I was like, okay, I want to move into a space where like I saw what I was paying influencers to do things for brands I was like okay I want to move closer to that space I'm going to start DJing that'll be a money maker for me but very quickly I was called an influencer rather than identifying as one and it's because of the way I was engaging with the platform oh if you have very right. if you have pr- beautiful pictures you must have an agenda of influencing if you are trying to build an audience outside of your friends and immediate family then you must be trying to be an influencer, an influencer, you know, as opposed to, yeah. you know, just wanting to share or understand experiences outside of your own. So it's a really funny distinction that and we've, we've said it before. Like, why do people use social media if you don't get paid to do it? Like, <laughs> I need to know point? because this place is toxic, yeah. man. Who I need any, everyone who's listening. I need you to raise your hand. If you feel that social media has made you happier, because absolutely no one is going to raise your hand. I need you to comment on the most recent picture on the Bobo and Flex Instagram and let us know if having social media has honestly improved mm. your life. But I, I want to know, is there an element of performativity for you on social media? Are you the person you present as? Is that a question for me or the audience? <laughs> or both? <laughs> oh, for you. Ah. Well, for both. Well, we t- I think we talked about it briefly in the sense that I was getting really resentful and frustrated with the audience I had built because if it wasn't makeup or fashion that we, that I was presenting, then nobody gave a shit. There was not uh, any Mm. other topic that I could discuss that would get any engagement or any comparable engagement. And that was really frustrating because it was, I was presenting myself as a one dimensional character and wondering why my audience saw me that way as well. And the frustration with that is that everyone thought I was dumb. Everybody thought that I didn't have anything of value to say. Everyone thought that the height of my intelligence was rooted in fashion and beauty. And that's just not the case at all. So I think about a year and a half ago, around the same time you rebranded from the fashion um, citizen to, was it the fashion citizen? Fashion, fashion themed, fashion themed, fashion yeah. themed to um, uh, That was the same time I was like, okay, I can't be flex mommy, the beauty and fashion girl only. Like we need to talk about something. Yeah. And the first was just doing, you know, polls. Like, would you rather this or this? And asking questions like, oh, do you feel as though this is considered cultural appropriation? If so, why? And just starting to engage with my audience and get out of that one dimensional or you know, that one yeah. one direction of communication where I was just speaking at you and then my only litmus test for whether or not I was sharing value was how many likes I got, which is just ridiculous. Um, and so it I'm is. trying really, really hard to 
to present as myself as often as possible online but there's still a stigma of like what I can put on the story what I can put on the feed and like I'm still trying to monetize my feed in some respects so surely I can't put this video of me just chewing on some on crepes onto the feed <laughs> because I also think that people's behavior with the feed versus the story is very different I think people have True. way more time for stories than they do the feed. They're used to like this scrolling up once and like kind of like liking that if it's a friend and acknowledging that if it's a what. But if it's on the story, you've got time to waste your time. Um, oh, yes. But I think, you know, if you're going to publish, it's going to be contrived. If you can edit yourself in any way, it's going to be contrived. So it's not about is it contrived or is it not for me? It's more so are you making a considered effort to make sure you're presenting as close to you as possible? And that's the thing. So that for me caused me a lot of anxiety because I, I think once you become a brand, which is sort of what an influencer is, you're pigeonholed into a specific genre. So either your health or your beauty or your fashion. And for me, I had pigeonholed myself into that because it's easier to like get brand deals that way, I suppose. And it's, it's, it just makes life easier as far as like monetizing. But as far as being a human being and being multidimensional and being expansive, it causes a lot of anxiety because you feel the need to limit yourself and to stay within the constraints that you've created. Because there's a fear that like, well, if I'm myself, are people still going to care? Like, will people still like me? Like, will I still get the validation that I'm addicted to? And that was my, I mean, I did it anyway, because it was just not fulfilling. I can't just post cute pictures in bikinis every day. And like, that's what my life is. Um, I, f I feel like I realized that no, like, this is not sustainable, because you can't perform for the rest of your life. I think being an influencer is, maybe it works for a very specific type of person. If someone were to ask me, hey, would you recommend being an influencer or pursuing that career path? I think if you are the type of person who wants to do one thing for the rest of your life and that's it, then by all means. But if not, then it can get really limiting. Mm. See, I would just say no. <clears throat> if you have to ask, should you or how to, like, should you be an influencer or how can I become one? Then you probably, number one, are not one. Because at the core of it, like, you can't want to influence someone if you have no influence. And I'm not saying, and I, and I always say this when people ask me, how do, I become a, uh, how do I become an influencer? I'm like, realistically, if a brand were to come to you to tap into your audience to sell product, what could you sell to your 300 followers? Who's really making their purchase decisions based on what you think? And it sounds harsh, but it's true. So, and I would just say flat out no, because it's not, it's not sustainable for, okay, so number one, if you're going to be an influencer for influencing sake, you become the conduit to a brand and a consumer's shopping and purchase decisions. It's too much pressure because what happens is when you go into the, the state of influencing, you stop purchasing, you stop using your own money to make decisions and you forget what it feels like to spend your own money and make an, emotion, an emotional decision. So when you're getting gifted products all day, every day, and a $100 highlighter here, a $200 bag there, $500 sunglasses here, you start to, you, you're not really aware of like uh, adding value or what the value of a product is when you didn't pay for it yourself. So when an audience member says, hey, was that worth it? Is it worth it? You don't know because you don't know the difference between a $20 lipstick and a $50 one because you don't know how much these things cost and you don't know what you're advocating for. 
So number one, you become really terrible at your job because you're not connecting to your audience. And that's why advertisers want you because they want the connection you have to your audience. And when you agree to be an influencer, you create distance. You'll go to parties that your audience will never go to. You go to, you have experiences your audience will never have. You get PR packages that your audience will never get. Why do you think that connects with your audience any more than you are connected to them now? If you want to, if you want to build a community, you need to invest in yourself, like pay it forward. And so if you are being an influencer for the benefit of your audience, then you don't, you don't become an advertiser. You seek experiences out and then you pay it forward. Like for instance, I really wanted to try, I kept on getting served ads for Thinks, the period underwear. And I was like, fuck, does this actually work? Let me buy it and see. So I bought it. I bought a few pairs. My whole page became a period discussion for two weeks or whatever. What it was like, what my period was like. Did I clot? Did I not clot? Did they work? And then eventually, and then that, that obviously garnered heaps of attraction because everyone's like, okay, you invested your own money and you just want to know. That's how you influence in a genuine way. And so when the sperm is like, hey, can we pay for this content? Absolutely. Fantastic. But if I haven't sought out a product, I don't generally use it. And now I'm going to try to convince you to buy or buy into it. Tell me how that works out. It's just not sustainable. And it causes you way too much problems. Like, for instance, I need a new mattress, right? Koalas come to me and said, hey, we're doing a collaboration with Modi Body, which is like the Australian version of Thinks. And we want you to get involved. I say, no, babes. I work with Thinks. I can't work with you and Modi Body. They say, no problem. Can we send you a mattress anyway? Great. I need a new mattress. And so now when I have, <coughs> when I talk to you, I'm like, hey, you know what? This is the thing I sleep on 12 hours a day. This is where my roots happen. This is where I could make my future baby. I'm trying to invest. Do I have $1,000 I want to spend on a mattress? Probably yes. Will I? No. Did I get it for free? Absolutely. <laughs> like These are conversations I want to have because realistically, I needed a new mattress and now I have one. The next time someone comes saying like, Oh, we want to, we're a cereal brand and we want to see how musicians start their day. Can you please promote our cereal and then write in the caption that you eat our cereal and that it helps you do your job? Fuck no. And it's hard. It's not realistic and genuine. What's cereal got to do with me being a DJ? And I think when you're being, you know, when you have an abundant, um, abundant amount of people coming to you, validating what you're doing, offering to pay you money, kind of like, I'll just make it work. I'll make it work. I'll make it work. And then it just gets tiring because kind of like, I don't want to make it work. I just want to post a selfie and not tag anyone, be on my day. Like, you know, I just, it's not everyday commodification. And that's what frustrates me about my audience right now because I'm a very obsessive person. When I find something I like, I want to talk about it all the time. For me, it's been Lime Bikes, Kingston Biscuits, Making Crepes. Like these are things that I've been obsessive about. Everyone says, when are you getting that sponsorship? When are you getting paid to do this? You should get paid to do this. Tell me for a fact, if I told you that this biscuit company paid me to talk about it, that you would feel happy about that for me. Stop lying. And so you have your audience trying to, trying to encourage you to get that money, get that bread, get paid to do it. But in the same vein, we'll say they can't trust you because everything you do is paid for. Fuck out of here. It's so annoying. And so it's, it's this weird gray area of adding value and being like, you know what? I needed this thing and I've got the luxury of not having to pay for it. And all I need to do in exchange for it is tell you about it. I'm happy to do that. I know in some things I don't feel strongly about, but I'm like, you know what? I know my audience might care about this. So let me just, let me do this as a due diligence and get paid for it. Why not? But other times I'm like, no, I'm not interested. And I think the frustration being a quote unquote influencer is that the industry is, the community is not, um, 
it's not like it's not open enough like people don't know what people are charging for things that, that's what's another the thing. right way to yep. go about it and so when you you jump into the industry you don't know what you're doing and then you fall for anything when I started this whole beauty influencer thing, I did it because somebody said that it'd be too hard to do and that aspiring to be a dark-skinned black influencer in Australia with a predominantly white um, population is never going to work. And I was like, fuck no, I can do it. It's easy. And then in like two months, I had signed three retainers with three global brands. I was like, it's easy. But then I appropriated that as something that I wanted to do. I signed, an influ- I signed to an influencer agency. I did all that shit. And then I soon realized that, like, am I really going to be a person? This person who's telling her audience to critically think, to develop themselves, right. to do better, is the same person who wants to encourage you to buy yet another foundation, yet another lipstick, yet another blush. <laughs> really? Why? Where does yeah. that line up? And granted, yes, I will wear lipstick and blush and whatever every day. And I can do that and be like, hey, on the odd occasion... I really like this and you should buy it because I, I use it every day. Not every day, new advertiser come Not use my platform day. to reach new audience. What for? How, yeah. And then to have, like, sometimes the money isn't worthwhile because sometimes it is nice to have an extra thousand dollars in your account for doing something super simple. But then realistically, the back and forth conversations I'll have, is this thing worth it? Should I buy it? Can I afford it? Would you recommend it? My friend said not to, but then what about, can you compare it to this? Does this actually work? It's like, I don't want to talk about this. And so I had to protect my space and be like, you know what, agency, I've got to terminate my contract. This isn't what I signed up for. I'm not a fucking coat hanger. I'm not a conduit to more sales. It's not my business. And that's the thing, right? With being an influencer and being a model, because... The two intersect, and once you become an influencer, you also become a model. So I'm just going to talk about that mm-hmm. for a little bit. My frustration was that also, and I'm also, as much I'm grateful that I, you know, I'm transitioning out, but I'm grateful that I, you know, get to do this because it's opened a lot of doors. But mm-hmm. I, I find that there's a contention between you being a human being versus you being a billboard that is selling a product. And I find a lot of times like on set um, or even just working with brands that they tend to forget that like you're, you're an actual human being and not just like a walking billboard or, or just like a clothes hanger. And I think that's the problem with the fashion and beauty industry is that there's a level of dehumanization that you have to be ready to to deal with. Like you have to be ready to get on set and know that like sometimes the person is just not going to be prepared to be doing your makeup because they didn't think that like, oh, this person is black. Like there's just like little nuances that I don't know if it's like worth it long term. And I sort of feel a lot of times like I'm... I'm like the promoter outside of the club when really I want to... Yes. Like, I don't want to be promoting yes. a movie. I want to be the executive producer. Like, I want to be the person, like, Come actually making the money and not the person. So it can be limiting in that sense, you know? And it might seem on the outside. You know, sometimes I tell people, like, yeah, no, I'm transitioning into a talk show host and this and this and that. And they're like, oh, that must be so easy because you have a following. And it's like, no, actually... <laughs> Because now I have to break outside of the limitation and the box that I've created of being an influencer as opposed to being a person that can produce content on that level. And as opposed to being a person that... I remember once I applied for 
um, a job at this production company and their feedback for me was like, you work so much alone that we actually don't think that you'll be capable of working with a team. And so we can't, we can't offer you wow. this. And so it's, you know, when embarking on this journey, it's really important to think critically about where it is that you, because I didn't think critically about this. I was just like, well, this is accessible and it's here and it's easy. And like people are already offering me jobs and gigs. So I might as well just take it and make my coin and go. But there wasn't much critical thought put into where do I see myself, how do I see myself evolving outside of this? And how does this inform the woman that I'm trying to be, you know? So that's, that's my crackhead rant on that. I want to know for you, do you feel, <laughs> do you feel your mental health has been affected by? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market social media um no not really i mean i don't know i'm not that critical of social yeah. media really very little part of me is critical of social media i think it's only amplified the flaws and faults within our society anyway like any behavior that i could critique online i could critique in Ooh. real people sooner i just didn't have access to people in that way for instance, people are always looking for validation. They're always looking for ways to create a hierarchy within community groups. They're always looking <coughs> for ways to compare themselves. They're always looking for ways to compete. And I think social media gave us a consolidated space to do all of those Thanks. things. I don't... And, you know, it didn't come... Social media didn't come with a rule book or guidelines or Ten Commandments. How it is or how, how it's evolved is purely because we chose to do it this way. People talk about, remember when Instagram stories first came out, everyone's like, we would never use this. What's the point? Like, doesn't make yeah. any sense. Temporary <laughs> content. And now we live on it. You know, the idea of sharing the innermost workings of our life and mind to strangers. Why do we do that? And here we are yeah, doing it. on a daily you know? basis. My frustration with this whole conversation around influencership is it's the owner, the onus is on the influencer to dictate how their audience is going to respond to them. As if now I've got a trigger warning my space and content warning my space and make sure that I'm considering your lived experience in my space that I've created for me. Mm. So like people like, you know, for instance, when I was doing a lot of beauty stuff before I was getting paid to do it in like the first two months, People are like, why don't you trial more products that we can access here in Estonia? Why don't you trial more products for people who don't have your complexion? Why the fuck would I do that? <laughs> why? Like, this is my page for me. Why is your consideration about how I should live my life going to be of more value than how right. I want to do it? You should show us, and people, like, you give them an inch. You're like, hey, people, I'm filming a video on frequently asked questions about my career. People say, do a house tour. Show us where you live. Show us what you make. Show us what you eat. It's weird. Do you really <laughs> understand what you're asking me to do? Get up off my back, make my bed, clean my house for your entertainment. Yeah. Would you do the same? <laughs> show me how you live. Show me what you make and what you eat. 
you know like how do we restore balance if that's even a thing where people are asking of you things that they're not entitled to and don't get it twisted just because i'm being open and transparent and honest doesn't mean like you have access to everything about me i can tell you when my period is when to last i had sex and no you don't get to ask me next time wow there's a difference in that because we're not building a friendship here it's it's a community like you have access to my online diary wow and my whole thing is I'm like, if you want to pay for that, if you want to pay for the privilege, absolutely. Someone's like, hey, I want to pay you 50 bucks to show me how you organized your wardrobe. Fine. But up until then, wait till I want to <laughs> show you in my own time. I think it's super bizarre. Like people are in the same, like people get frustrated. Like, cause I'm very aware that I wouldn't have the things I do without an audience. Right. right? So like, don't get it twisted. I'm very aware of that. But also if it wasn't you, it would be somebody else. Like, if it wasn't you watching this thing, it'd be somebody else. So don't get it twisted. <laughs> like, you can't be replaced. And I don't get it twisted. Like, I can't be replaced. Yeah, because I stay unfollowing people, you know? too, who who are toxic. Constantly. People I know, people I like. like and it's just like, no, this, <laughs> not that your deep. content is not feeding. It's not nourishing me. So I'm unfollowing. And my unfollow is inconsequential. Absolutely. Wow. It is just such a funny industry, but I'm still very mindful of like, what are the perceptions of those things? Because realistically, people would look at you and I on paper as the same kind of influencer. Right. Like, oh, you know, they, they talk about these things, they both like fashion. And it's like, I, was, I wasn't an influencer. Like you gave me that title, people. It's like, have you forgotten about all those things I did to build an audience? People weren't here if it wasn't for the DJing or the TV presenting or the content creating or the things right. or whatever. They're not here for funsies. They're here because I did other things that gave me access to an audience. If Instagram left tomorrow, I would still make an income. Don't get it twisted. Like, I have value for my audience, but you like you aren't the end-all and be-all of my, like, emotional value or my self-value. Like... Yeah, and that's, that's where I it gets tricky. I will replace you like you'll replace me. <laughs> that's where it gets <laughs> tricky because... Um, I think being a YouTuber and being an Instagrammer looks glamorous from the outside. And so it, it becomes something that people aspire to be, which is very bizarre to me because there's absolutely nothing glamorous or I don't know. I can't imagine like if I were to have a child and they came out and were like, my aspiration in life <laughs> is to be a YouTuber. I, w- I just would never be able to understand like what is that emotion oh i definitely understand i I don't understand why it's the perception of it you know like when i wanted to be a dj i deluded myself into thinking that i wanted to share music no i wanted access to the lifestyle of someone who didn't have to go to an office every day of someone who was an active member of a creative Mm. community you know these are things i wanted so i understand the appeal of being a youtuber but people think it's chicken and egg what came first the lifestyle or you know the youtube account and people forget the lifestyle came first. Like these people were like, you know, made beautiful vegan fruit bowls first and then put it on YouTube. They were able to dress themselves and like present themselves in a creative way first and they put right. it on YouTube. Like they had influence and like aspiration to be influential first before they put it on YouTube. So be mindful of like what these things don't create value unless you have value to yeah, give first. Yeah, that's the thing. Like nobody's going to follow you in hopes of your potential. In hopes of your potential. I'm crying. <laughs> like I really feel like she could make great content in three to four months. So I'm going to follow and, and hope that she pops <laughs> up. No. But you know what? 
But I think... Yeah, re- no, sorry, go on. No, go on. Oh, look at us, we're so good. No, you No, go. I, I was going to say, I think there is something to be said about the toxicity of the algorithm, particularly on Instagram, mm. because it's been designed in the same way that a casino is designed like the randomness yeah. no literally the randomness of um how your how, how your pictures are shown to your audience like on some days you'll be getting a whole lot of likes and a whole lot of engagement and then on other days you won't be getting much and that's that's how you feed addiction and so i think they these companies these corporations literally have hired engineers to uh, to to engineer platforms that are addictive. And I think there's like an ethical Mm. question behind that. But I also think that's like less the onus on the corporations because either way it'll become toxic and more an onus on us to be like conscious consumers of the internet. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can know what you know and still choose to disregard what you know. Like, people can tell you all day, like, I'm aware Instagram is toxic. I'm aware that it's making me feel self-conscious. But here you are, (laughs) still trying to find value on a toxic platform. And while you can, you'll always be fighting against the norm. Like, Bobo and I can challenge you all day via this toxic platform. But if you don't get off it and do the work, then you won't be changed. And then you start to use us as a conduit to your self-development, which is not the case because when we fuck off when we get bored of like having these conversations all day or when we want to make sure that our development is a more insular practice and we don't want to share it with a platform of people then what do you do (laughs) what do you think will come next (laughs) you know because i think the the concept Um, of influencer i mean before influencers were people in hollywood before that they were mm. the people in churches before that they were philosophers and scientists so what do you think you know, what's next? So now it's people on social media. Who's going to be the influencers in the next, like, 50 years? If global warming hasn't oh, I don't even us? know. The people with trade <laughs> skills. <laughs> Carpenters, plumbers, electricians. The people who actually add value to all of us and all of our lives day to day. The garbage men. You know what? I think it'll you know, always the street be cleaners. Moving forward, I think it'll always be the prettiest people. I think, think the currency of influence is beauty. Like as <coughs> you know, the most influential person in society today is Kim Kardashian and Kylie Jenner. Mm. And for no other reason mm. than the fact that they're cute. That that is it. <laughs> like that's all you need, fam. Cute. <laughs> like that is what it means. Do you ever wonder? <laughs> do you ever wonder if you weren't cute would you be an influencer let's let's be real no let's keep it real well i think i'm cute i know i'm cute no one can tell me otherwise but i've still got enough self-awareness you know i'm not the norm of cute yeah so, but you're still cute like, though let's say you were not cute, like you are not cute fam there are a ton of people who are not cute and that are influencers if you really think mm. about it whether or not you're commodifying or not being cute isn't there like the um uh like the ugliest woman in the world oh. she identifies as that and she's got a profile like i don't think cute is necessarily the benchmark i guess it's the most popular benchmark but yeah i think you can exist yeah. outside of that realm okay i got yeah. a question for you let's say in two years instagram is on its way out instagram is now considered to be a facebook <laughs> and a tumblr <laughs> A Tumblr. 
and people have moved to an alternate platform what what do you think that platform would be Ooh. um hmm you know what i think it would be audio i think after video comes audio. oh yeah i think it'll literally just be like a bunch of asmr bitches we should do an asmr episode but <laughs> i think it'll just be a bunch of like asmr bitches just voices and like you know i think that's what it might be what do you think it'll be um i think it'll be a multimedia site where there aren't traditional metrics like followers and likes but it'll be based on how much you share not what you share Mm. So people will be encouraged to share for sharing sake. Like send that audio clip, write that status update. Like just this, because I think right now people use Instagram with a set of parameters right. in mind. Whether or not it be this photo is not well lit enough, that's not appropriate enough. Um, this won't get enough likes. Uh, I don't post people who aren't myself. There are still boundaries that really affect the way in which right. we share. But if the if the benchmark for you know, using this social media network is not about what you share, but how often you share because more information, more context for someone is more valuable than this really contrived curated piece right. of information. Then people would be challenging themselves to share all the time. I ate this, I did this, I feel this way, I went here, I was with them. I really do think so. So I think there are a ton of people who feel really shut out of Instagram because they don't fit within the confines of what it means to use Oh, yeah. No, definitely. You know, they might have the right photos, but no followers. They might have the right followers, but not... um, They don't feel like they have, you know, the agency to express themselves. You know, they might have an audience that's built based in Australia, but they just moved to London. Like, there's so many parameters in place to connection. And so if someone is encouraged to share everything but can't see who's liking, can't see who's following, can't see who's consuming it, then it would just be like a really, um, like, I don't know, it'd be cathartic. Hmm. Do you think that the ca- therapy it would be media. cathartic temporarily and then it would become... Because you know what I'm realising? It's... I've said this before on, on YouTube, I think, is that I think we, we've now prioritized our digital selves over our real life selves. So yeah, I think pretty soon our digital like pixels on a screen will take over our lives and our three-dimensional selves will just wither away and die. Not to be morbid. <laughs> Not to be morbid, but you know. Yeah, and I do think getting, if that was the kind of social media space that we ended up in, we would get fatigued really quickly and realize why are we doing this online for presumably no one we could do this in real life to everyone face to face and that would be the big change like the sea change yeah where someone's like oh why don't i why don't i why don't i implore to share all i'm feeling to people in my life like in real time why have i run to this platform to say that i'm doing this and i've got to share the menu and the food and how i'm feeling and what i ordered and the service when i could just tell the person yeah you know what i just and it sounds really obvious but we need permission still I just realized from your question, actually, that the value of social media, or not the value, but the reason why people are so drawn to it is not so much the addiction to followers and validation, but just the fact that you can 
you can actually self-narrate yourself in a way that you could never in real life so yeah, yeah the fact that you can add filters onto your picture you can decide the pers- how you want people to consume you you can decide to like brand yourself in a certain way i think that's probably going to be the next level of social media actually where you can brand yourself outside of a screen and you can literally face tune yourself in real life and like that's <laughs> that's the next phase of just like completely opting out of our like three-dimensional reality and creating pixelated lives like right here in this realm mm, like the sims. literally yeah i think we're about to become sims and um i'm down for it honestly yeah i'm into it i'm about it i keep thinking while well, moving into so many topics but i another one of those questions that i ask yeah. people um that i'm getting to know or whatever platonic romantic is that if we lived in a society where you know we had chips in us that tell us our vital stats we were given a pill every day that gave us exactly what nutrients we needed we all wore the same outfit you know a blank white like whatever jumpsuit we had to the same job as everybody else keep society flowing so how would we show that we were individual you know and like what would how would you express that and would you feel comfortable in a society like that because i would you know the things i do the things i do to the things i do to pepper my life like the way i present myself is only to further convince people of what i know to be true so i wear color to show people that i'm inviting but i already know that and i would know that if i was wearing all black but that's not the perception of that i would know i had value if i still worked in an office but it's the perception of what it was to not work in one that I needed to convince everyone that I had right. value. And so you opted so out. So even if we were in a space, not like not being different people, like us now transitioning into that space, we've had a lifetime being validated, taking risks, having to prove to people that we're worthy, that in a space where we all look the same and that there was no hierarchy, you'd have to rely on what? Like your self-esteem and your self-worth. Oh, shit. And I got a lot of that. So I'd be chill. I don't know if I'd be chill. I think I'd be in a constant state of existential dread. But what are you dreading when everything is there provided? But I think, you know what? If you are balanced. <laughs> the thing is, I think we would all turn into one person. Like, we'd all end up becoming Kim Kardashian. Like, <laughs> if, imagine a world where you can choose exactly... I was actually having this conversation with my mother about whether or not it's ethical to be able to genetically engineer your children um oh yeah because imagine a world where essentially we can play god and we can choose Mm. like i don't want my child to have dyslexia i want my child to have the highest iq i want my child to have thick voluminous hair long eyelashes we'll all end up looking the same (laughs) we literally (laughs) just no social skills eyelashes and long hair (laughs) no emotional intelligence (laughs) because that's what people value just eyelashes (laughs) (laughs) yeah we will literally all just end up looking like kim kardashian and that's it that's hectic that's yeah so um i think we should avoid playing god even though it's inevitable it's happening as we speak Mm. um and i think the last phase of our evolution as human beings will be when the things that we create like the artificial intelligence and like our genetically engineered selves those are going to be the things to kill us oh absolutely 
That's why people fear AI because already now you see what happens when AI is given like the reins. Did you see when Microsoft made a Twitter no. AI? No. Where so I, it was I think it was Microsoft, but basically it made this AI bot that would aggregate all this data from the internet and then use that to make tweets. Yeah. You know. And it started off pretty, like, pretty normal. Like, hey, like, I feel tired. I feel overworked. And then within days, the thing was <laughs> racist. <laughs> like, fully racist. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, let me find so within this. days, it was like, I hate niggas. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, 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 okay. Oh, wow. Do you see here? Okay, Twitter taught Microsoft's AI <laughs> chatbot to be a racist <laughs> asshole in less than a day. Microsoft unveiled Tay, a Twitter bot that the company described as an experiment in conversational understanding. The more you chat with Tay, the smarter it gets learning to engage people through casual and playful <laughs> conversation. Unfortunately, the conversation didn't stay playful for long. Pretty soon, Tay launched, pretty soon after it launched, people started tweeting the bot with all sorts of misogynistic, <laughs> racist, and Donald Trump remarks. And Tay, being essentially a robot, <laughs> repeated these statements and used this as a form of connection. So, floor. some examples of what Tay said. Um, she started off saying, Can I just say that I'm stoked to meet you? Humans are super cool. <laughs> And then she went from chill, everyone. I'm a nice person. I just hate everybody. <laughs> then to I fucking hate feminists and they should all die and burn in hell. And then she said, Hitler was right. I hate the Jews. Wow. Tay went from humans are cool to a full Nazi in less than 24 hours. And how Me did she do period. that? By having conversations with real humans that live in and amongst us right but now. You see, that's the thing is that like all of our artificial intelligence that we create is just an extension of our consciousness. And we are trash. As humans, we are racist. Like we are dark, we're genocidal, we're murderous. So the hoes we're about to create will for sure kill us all. And that's that. And on so that. it was written. So, th- you know, thank you for listening to our very apocalyptic episode. <laughs> it started off as um, what if I be yeah. an influencer? Which, long story short, sometimes good, sometimes bad. There are a lot of perks, and there, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. and nothing is what it seems. But, yes, and not, my my question to people who want to be an influencer why yeah what is the narrative you tell yourself self versus what you actually mean like what motivates you to want to do that and secondly those of you who are hypercritical of influencers or hyper supportive of influencers what is that about why do you care that we monetize our platforms or not what difference does it make to you if you're not investing us in us anyway Mm. (laughs) and number two be mindful of how you encourage people who you think um aren't good influencers like impressions are still a metric that people judge their influence influence by so you're not liking or commenting you're still giving them the view that's still an impression you still feed these people so you know right there's some responsibility there yeah just just like influencers aren't influencers with no audience so the next time you see something sus call it out say something or just know your complete your complicit nature still adds to their impressions they get paid off you being complicit. Basically. 
Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. And don't kill yourself over this. Like, at the end of the day, this no. is all just like... It's all just a simulation. None of this is real. And we're all going to die. So... There's nothing serious nothing happening. Nothing serious here. It's at all, all. A bit of fun. Yeah. So, thank you for listening. This has been a great episode. Let us know your thoughts. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. We now have an Instagram page. It's called Bobo and Flex. And if you're listening from SoundCloud, the link is in the description box below. If you're not listening from SoundCloud and are on Apple Music or Spotify, don't forget to give us that five-star review because it helps us make more content more often and will help us go on our world tour so we can see you guys and hang out with you all in the flesh. Also, I just realized we've now gotten to 40,000 streams and it hasn't even been two months. So thank you guys. This is incredible. Tell your friends to tell your friends so we can hit 100,000 streams and then maybe we'll do a giveaway, you know? Yeah, Yeah. we'll do an international giveaway. Yeah, tell us what you want. You want some vibrators? You want a man? Don't want a man. Um... Mm, don't we no maybe you want you want um you want to go to a lecture on self-development maybe you want us to pay for one therapy yes. session or you know let's think think critically about yeah what, what is it for. that you'd like out of life and and we'll give it to you because we're your fairy godmothers so yeah thank you guys this i always have the longest goodbyes i'm gonna work on this thank you guys for <laughs> listening And we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.